basically this is the end of the first nine chapters basically describe or the introduction to Proverbs. And last week we talked about some of the things that go on with Proverbs. So I noticed last week some of you folks were falling asleep on me. And maybe it's because I was such a polar bear in the, the pulpit. I had so many ice cubes in the pew. Um, but uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm resigned to change that tonight. So we're going to have some uh, discussion, some open forum. And we're going to try to get some folks uh, uh, active and using their minds and uh, see if we can have some fun tonight. All right, let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for those that made it out tonight. Lord, I think of Brother Glenn, and Lord, as he had texted me during the prayer time, I just pray that you just please help him. Lord, he is in lots of pain, and he hurts all over. I pray, Lord Jesus, you give him some relief. And pray that you just please bless that family. Lord, help them as they try to move forward in their Christian walk. I ask you to just give them grace during this time. pray that you bless this message tonight. May your hand of mercy be upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I thought it interesting. I like to listen to... Um, I like to listen to uh, it on, on uh, uh, dramatized audio because it just kind of illustrates uh, way better than I can read it myself. So I'm going to let you listen to it and how they said it tonight on dramatized audio on the uh, dramatized audio all right here we go proverbs chapter 9 wisdom hath builded her house she hath hewn out her seven pillars she hath killed her beasts she hath mingled her wine she hath also furnished her table she hath sent forth her maidens she crieth upon the highest places of the city Whoso is simple, let him turn him hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish, and live, and go in the way of understanding. He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame, and he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. For by me thy days shall be multiplied, and the years of thy life shall be increased. If thou be wise, thou shalt be wise for thyself. But if thou scornest, thou alone shalt bear it. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knoweth nothing. For she sitteth at the door of her house, on a seat in the high places of the city, to call passengers who go right on their ways. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. And as for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he knoweth not that the dead are there, and that her guests are in the depths of hell. How many saw a little bit difference in the two ways that wisdom and the foolish woman spoke? I thought it was kind of interesting how it was put out there. So we're going to take a second here and go over... 
the two different things here, which is wisdom and folly. Can somebody give me some comparisons between wisdom and folly? And we looked at the first one. I can see one right off the bat. What does wisdom have that folly also has? Look in your Bibles. If you don't know, look in your Bibles. Eye places, okay? So wisdom, wisdom is found in the high places, right? Give me that verse, uh, Miss Reina. Okay, high places. Folly is found in the high places. Verse 3 and verse 14, right? Okay, anything else, comparatively speaking? Oh, good one, Oscar. They both cry. Oscar, give me the verses that you saw that in. All right. So he says here in verse uh, 10, uh, verse 9, wisdom hath, uh, it says here, okay, what was the other one? Verse 15, look at 15. Yep. All right. Verse 15. There's a calling, right? Crying and a calling. All right. Anything else we see that they're saying? Okay. Um, good job. Good job. So they are called... To the simple. Sister Kim and Daniel and Sam, I need and Andrew, I need something. And Araceli and Lewis, Oscar and Rainer at, are putting all the thought into this. We need you folks to participate as well. All right, call to the simple. What verse was that, Oscar? Um, for the for the folly. Okay. Anything else, Miss Miss Reina? Maybe you need to whisper in Kim's ear. <laughs> whisper in Araceli's ear. Yes, I was going to say, you can't miss that. We find that where? In verse 4, it says, so Let him turn in hither as to him that wanteth understanding. Where else do we find that? Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither as for him that wanteth understanding. So they're looking for also those, not just simple, but those who are what? 
I like Oscar's way of putting our lacking understanding. All right. So we find four things. Any a fifth thing? Oscar's got one. So offering sustenance. So can we put offering sustenance? Okay. Anything else? Now let's now that we've got the comparisons, let's look at the contrasts. Let's look at the contrasts. What are some things that we can contrast between wisdom and folly? Okay, so I, I, I'm, I'll get to those in eventually. Um, but the first thing I've noticed is what is different between what... Sam's got something. Go ahead. Okay. Good job. All right, Mom. He put something on the board. Now Kim's got to come up with them. Days multiplied and folly is destruction, right? So days multiplied and destruction. That's a very good um, way to point it out. Now we find something here that I thought was kind of interesting. That it's in, that basically when she talks about it, it says here, for she, she calls it, says, Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither, as are in their one understanding. The se verse 17, stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. We find that there is, in, in wisdom, there's a public um, a public blessing, and with, um, with folly, it's public. It's a private shame. 
private shame. All right. So what do you mean by public blessing? When you do something that is right, you might do it in private, but you know what? God is going to bless you what? Openly. When you do something wrong, most people don't want to admit they're wrong. They don't want to show they're wrong. Those that do are so seared with a hot iron, they're a reprobate. But we know that the Bible says that most people try to hide their sin. They try to hide their shame. And guess what? There's private shame in what they're doing. There's a sense of what? I don't want anybody to know what I'm doing here. Now, the Bible tells us not to, but because of what we do, God blesses us openly. And you know what? There will also be not just private shame, but there will also be public shame eventually too. So it's important to understand that people that do things that want to do, they'll do it in public. And people that want to do sin, they're going to do it in private. All right. Anything else? Contrast. In wisdom, we find that she is what? Someone that has understanding. It says here, Wisdom hath builded her house, she hath hewn out her seven pillars, she hath killed her beast, she hath mingled her wine, and she has also furnished her table. In verse 13, a foolish woman is clamorous, she is simple, and knoweth nothing. A foolish a wisdom, that person that has wisdom is what? They're a worker. Someone who has folly is what? They're lazy. And that's not just laziness in a work ethic. There's plenty of people who are very hard workers, but they're foolish. What am I saying? They're lazy in their approach. The easiest way to do something, right? See what this, this lady said. She what? She's done all this work, and she's done it for what? For good benefit. Where the other lady, she's just sitting there, just enjoying her time, having a good old time, not worried about anything else, but... She's not thinking about the future, is she? The Bible says very clear that their guests are what? Their guests are dead and their guests are in the depths of hell. All right? Did we already? Yes, we did. Days are multiplied and we find destruction. All right. Anything else? Miss Raina. Okay, uh, I see. So I did think of that for a second. I just wanted to try to find what the contrast would be. So what would the simple have? If the if the the wisdom of this world has, she has no one to trust. All right. Could we put trusted? We say if they're not trusted, okay, untrustworthy. 
All right. We got it? Is there anything else? I know Daniel's got one at the tip of his tongue. He's going to tell me. Kim's got one, right? Araceli's got one. She's got just on the tip of her tongue. All right, so basically we found some, some con, uh, comparisons and contrasts. I think that's enough. Let's go back to the differences between the, the two places. The high places. Where would you consider high places to be found? What is a high place? I would say a high place is basically a place that people would come and meet at a consistent, a consistent basis. Okay, uh, it would be like the town gathering. Okay, the high places where somewhere would gather together, like a public park or something of that nature, and it, it basically was somewhere where everybody goes. Okay, hence the reason why we have wisdom in the same place as folly in the same place. They're both in the high places. There's a reason for that. You can make a decision in the same place that could be either good or bad. It doesn't matter where it's at. And the problem is, is too many people get to that crossroads and they haven't taken time to consider what's important. And so when it comes to that place and the high places, they're listening to one or the other. They're determining in their own heart where they should be, what they should be doing, and they're not listening to wisdom because they haven't prepared their heart for wisdom. A Christian that prepares their heart is someone that's taking the time to read from God's Word and go to the trough where you find wisdom. The Bible's very clear that the only place that you'll find wisdom is through God's Word, through His church. Not just the church, but through His Word and then through His church. If the church is preaching the Word of God, then guess what? You will also find the wisdom of God. So the second thing is, is that there's also two different places where there's crying. You find crying in wisdom and crying in folly. There is a draw to either one. I talked about the idea of rebel radar. My little Callie, I think she is my little rebel. I call her my resident heathen. Um, but she is drawn to the rebellious things of this world. And I constantly try to help her with that. But listen to me, she can be drawn to either righteousness, I'm sorry, righteousness, or what? Unfaithfulness. She can be drawn to the things of this world or the things of Christ. There's a cry for both. You're going to, you're going to what? Incline your ear to exactly what you want to hear. If you really, that's why I really believe that repentance is such an important part of salvation. Why? Because someone that's truly repentant is one to go what? I'm going to be listening for God's calling. I'm listening for the Holy Spirit. Someone that's not repentive, they're going to say, I don't want to listen. Their heart is still a heart of stone. There's no softness. There's no calling. And so they literally deny the very essence of what God wants to do in their life. There has to be a calling by the Holy Spirit before someone can be saved. There has to be a, a, a crying out. When you know that you're accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there is a definite conviction in your heart and soul that says, I need to be saved. And it's no different after you're saved. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's the beginning, but it also starts with your, your walk with God. 
And you say, well, what, is, what do you mean, Pastor? I'm saying, listen, as you d- deal with your sin, the Holy Spirit will convict and you will definitely want to make a change. So then we have crying. What's the third one here? They're both called to the simple. Now again, define to me what simple is. What is simple? Kim, you're going to have to give me the definition. You know that, right? Oscar, it was Kim's turn. Oh, that's what Araceli. Woohoo! Araceli's got it this time. All right, that's right. Lewis, I'm looking back there, buddy. I'm watching you. Now, listen, the idea of simple is someone, repeat it for me, Oscar. A lack of understanding, okay? Uh, what do you do when you find you can't figure something out? Uh, today I was working on a on a uh, ca- cappuccino machine that I'd never worked on before. So where do you think I went when I didn't know what to do? I called technical support. How do you fix this machine? And what happens when technical support doesn't know how to fix the machine? They call their technical support. Right? And eventually you're going to find the person that's got the right answer. The good thing is, is we already have the right answer through God's word. We don't have to find the technical support. We can just come back to God's word. And the Bible's calling to us, simple. The Bible is very clear about the idea of the calling to us. And as a Christian, you know, there's not, I don't think there's anything wrong with being simple. But the question is, do you stay simple? Once you hear the wisdom, once you hear the understanding, once you get the uh, what God's mind is on something, do you stay that same path? Or do you decide, I know this is the right thing I need to do, so I'm going to do it. And the Bible is very clear. The Bible says to teach us to number our nays that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. We're only limited, as seen by this uh, Rosanna... Do you remember Bonita? Do you? I can't imagine... Uh, she was, I think she was about uh, in her early, late 40s, early 50s. And, you know, I can't imagine that when she got up that morning, she did not think that she would not be there the next day. Listen to us, Christians, we need to make sure that we're what, what? Listening to what God's word is for that day. Listening to what God wants to do in our hearts. Number four. Those who are lacking understanding. Who's lacking understanding in here? All of us are, aren't we? We have to learn. I'm sure Dan, I see Daniel, Sam, and Esther in here. Are you guys you guys enjoying school? Esther's like, right? Why? It's so hard to learn. Right, Sam? Is it always fun to learn things? Is this, Is it fun, Dan? No? He's going like this, Mom. What does that mean? Oh, it depends on what subject it is. You know, as a Christian, we need to make sure that we're not someone that is what? So full of ourselves. There is a sense of lacking understanding, and it's not a bad sign to lack understanding. A lot of times when you work uh, in a new job, they say, just tell them that you're a newbie and you're learning. People start getting impatient with you. If someone tells me that, you know what? I say, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that. Let me take my time. Let me help you. At least the ones that are compassionate do that, right? We want you to learn. We want you to do your job right. 
Take your time. Sister Kim's over there. She's tinkling the ivories. She's still learning, right? She's doing a good job at it, but she's still learning. It's when you don't lack the understand, or when you don't lack understanding. You don't want to learn. You want to keep doing the same thing that you're doing because you're so full of yourself. And lastly, they're both offering something. They're offering some type of sustenance. When you get into God's Word and you're trying to find what God wants you to do and you're trying to make some decisions, the world will always give you something in the place of something godly. I remember when I was doing research on rock and Christian rock and roll. When contemporary music became very popular, they would tell kids, hey, you, how many remember the 80s bands, the big hair, you know, uh, I don't know what they were. There was one called, um, in my research, I think it was called Striker or Striper. And these men, these guys were dressed like they had long, girly hair and they wore leotards. I don't know. I guess that was the 80s. And I remember reading where they said, well, if you like this type of song, you'll like Christian Striper. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. What is going on here? It's the world or the devil trying to disguise exactly what the world is with a with sheep clothing. And as we take our t- our time and we try to determine what God wants us to do, we got to be careful that we're not looking for the wrong type of sustenance. I, I talk about music. When you're listening to good godly music, it should not make you want to get up and shake your booty. Okay. It shouldn't be something that you want to feel all fleshly about. Lewis turned up his head when I said that. What's going on back there? Pay attention now. I got his attention. This is great. I like to give him a hard time. But you know what? It shouldn't be something that you're like, right? Yes, tapping that toe. Uh, tapping that foot, right? It should be something that brings glory to God. It should be something that you say, Boy, I can't listen to that. That's just not something that God wants me to listen to. What's else, something else that the, the difference in sustenance? Sometimes we want to we want to suffice our what fleshly needs. We might want some type of attention from someone else. That's not the way God intended. We got to be careful that we're not looking for the wrong type of attention. My girls were here. I'd go into a tirade about. Uh, looking for the right type of man someday. But listen to me, as a Christian, we have responsibility that we're looking for the wrong type of sustenance. You're either looking for the right type or the wrong type. You're either looking for what God wants or what you want. Too many people are determining their life by what their flesh wants. They're saying, well, this is not fitting what my flesh wants, so I'm not going to do it. I know God's will is for me to do this, this, and this, but I'm not going to do it because my flesh says it doesn't like it. I'm thankful for people that have become missionaries that have gone overseas. I think of men like Hudson Taylor. Um, I think of Mr. Borton. How many's ever had Borton milk? Nobody. You've had Borton, right? You've you've probably seen it. They make it in um, <clears throat> what's that? Condensed milk. Have you seen those? It says Borton's got the big cow on it. This man was literally a the man that was 
the heir to that literally gave up his money and and became a missionary. And within a year, he was dead. You say, wow, what a wasted life. He could have enjoyed all the, all the, the trappings this world had to offer, and yet he decided to give up to be a missionary. No, he knew what God wanted him to do, and he knew what his flesh wanted him to do. He knew that God had a purpose for him, and he knew what God wanted him to do. It's interesting in this story that uh, Borden, if you get a chance to read about him, he's, he knew that God wanted him to get rid of his riches, so he just started writing checks, one by one, one by one. And finally God told him, he says, you need to take care of your wife. And he says, okay. So he wrote her a check and says, hey, buy the furnishings you need for the house. Here you go. You know his wife did? She said, yeah, I know that's what God told him to do. And God's telling me to go help somebody else. So she took that money and gave it to somebody else. Boy, that's some sacrifice, isn't it? As a Christian, we need to make sure that we're not looking for the wrong type of sustenance, especially the things of this world. Now, going back to wisdom, we know that, listen to me, as a Christian, we understand the idea of your days being multiplied. Now, I have a question for you. Uh... Does that mean if you die when you're 40 years old, you weren't uh, being faithful and listening to wisdom? What do you think? Because you die when you're 40 years old that you're not applying your heart to wisdom. No? If you're serving God and you're doing the right thing and you die when you're 40 and God wills it, why does that happen? Well, wait a minute. That doesn't apply here. The Bible says your days are going to be multiplied. You're going to have lots of days, right? Is that what it's saying? What do you think? I appreciate the effort, Sister Araceli. Exactly. We think about days multiplied. We look at it, the idea that, well, hey, you know what? That means I'm going to live longer. No, that just means God's going to give you a lot more effectiveness in the days that you do have. The Bible talks about an abundant life. People say, I tell them, yeah, okay. you know, my wife homeschools, and we, uh, I was telling my relatives this, my wife homeschools, and, and uh, I'm pastoring a church, I'm working a job, and uh, we're trying to do all these things. She's, how in the world do you do it all? I look at it and says, well, God says he's going to give us an abundant life, isn't he? So, hey, he's giving it to me, isn't he? I got to be careful not to be uh, what? Uh, unwilling uh, uh, accomplice to what God wants to do in my life. Secondly, not only do you have days multiplied, but you find with, what, with folly that there is a sense of destruction. And it's interesting, the Bible says here in verse 18, but he that knoweth the dead are there, Knoweth that the dead are there, and that her guests are in the depths of hell. The world can put on a real nice picture. Facebook can put on a real nice picture. Oh, look, they're going to this place, and this place, and this place. Well, in their day-to-day life, then they're not living in, in Greece, and they're not living in uh, Venice. Listen, their life is a, is a destruction. 
They're not happy. They're not excited about what's going on in their life. Oh, yeah, they get to do fun things. But that doesn't mean that's, that's all happiness. It's only pleasant for a season. There's a start of destruction. I already talked about the public blessing and the private shame. Here's something I want to capitalize on here. Someone that has wisdom is a worker. I tease my mom all the time. She always says she's a worker. She works hard. And we always tease her, yeah, mom, you're a worker. And she says, yep, you took it after me. We're, we're all workers, you know, working hard. But as a Christian, you realize that your uh, effort, it takes effort to be a Christian. It takes effort to serve Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that it's just going to fall straight in your lap. You have to trust Christ. You have to uh, believe in Christ. You have to what? Do what God wants you to do to see God's blessing. You can't just go willy-nilly wherever the flesh dictates you to do. It's natural to do fleshly things. It's natural to get angry, right? As a man, it's, uh, it's natural to think lustful thoughts. As a woman, it's natural to get angry and bitter, right? But does that mean we need to follow it? The lazy do that. It's very simple. Whatever the lazy tells me to do, I can do it. I'll just do whatever my flesh dictates me to do because that's the natural way of thinking. Then you're no different than an animal. An animal goes after flesh. Why? To eat it. Predator. Why? Because it's hungry. And as a Christian, we need to be careful that we're not what? Being dictated by what the flesh tells us to do. Just because our flesh tells us we're hungry doesn't mean that we need to be always eating. Just because our flesh says we need to look at this doesn't mean that we need to look at that. There's times I've been watching a video with my kid and I hear one small curse word. We stop. Why? Because it's not worth it. It's not worth it. As a Christian, you've got to be careful that you're not becoming what? Lazy in your desires. You're going to be what? Given over to the things of the flesh. You're not going to be what? Structuring your life towards what God wants to do. Number numbers number five. This is Miss Rain. I didn't I didn't put this in here, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll apply it. The one side wisdom is trusted, and the second side is untrustworthy. How do we apply that? Well, I do think that. When you're doing with wisdom, and here's a perfect example of this, when you're doing the right thing and something bad happens, do you feel like God's with you? Do you? You do. Why? Because you followed what? Wisdom. Wisdom and instruction, right? But when you're following folly, what? What happens? You become untrustworthy, right? You don't know which way is up. You don't know which way to go. Because when you know that you've not been following God, you've not been faithful to God, you're now what? Entrapped by your your thoughts and your ideas. And so when uh, the, the uh, judgment of God falls on your life, you don't know which way to go because you can't turn to God because you haven't been living for Him. And so what happens is, is you don't trust the Word of God. You don't trust God. When you're in the good times, guess what? You're not going to trust God when it comes to bad times. Even David, when he had done wrong, the Bible says 
And he prayed and prayed. He says, God, let this baby survive. When he had, had committed uh, sin with Bathsheba, he wanted to keep the baby that Bathsheba was having. And you know what? He prayed and prayed. God didn't bless him with it. That's why the Bible says he will laugh when your calamity cometh, when your fear cometh. If you're faithful to God, guess what? God sees, well done, thou good and faithful servant. If you're not faithful to God, God is bringing judgment on your life every day, whether you know it or not. You've got to be careful that you're not dictating according to what your flesh is telling you. Because when you get to the end, you're going to say, God, I know God's working here, or this is the judgment of God on my life. All right couple things I did want to point out. I love this verse because this applies so much uh, to today's day and age. Verse 7. Or verse 6. Forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. Verse 7. He that reproveth a scorner getteth himself shame, and he that rebuketh a, wise, a wicked man getteth himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner lest he hate thee, and rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools, what? But and knowledge of the holy is understanding. I almost quoted, uh, I think that's what, Proverbs 7, 1? Something like that. What we find here, this verse is so pertinent to what's going on today. That's why I think Facebook is an awful tool. There's a lot of foolish people out there. You just got to let them do what they're going to do. There are some people that you can sit down and you can honestly love on them and tell them, hey, brother, sister in Christ, here's something important. Right? Where's the place that we find this a lot, though, also? Sometimes you got to be careful in your husband and wife team that you don't be in this area, don't you? Either one of your spouse or yourself have become foolish. And you know, you know, the ladies. Right? You kind of stand there with your hand on your hip. You don't like what your husband's saying. It's no fun to be rebuked. And it's no fun to be the rebuker. If it's done with the right spirit. If some of you enjoy that, I'm a I'm a be, be uh, I'm going to rebuke you right now. Rebuking someone should not be something you enjoy. It should be something that you've combed over with prayer. It's something that you've, you've brought over with prayer. Do you think I enjoy when I have to go to someone and talk to them about something that's going on in their life? No. It's, it feels awful inside. But I know God's asked me to do it, so I do it. In the same sense, we've got to be careful that when we're talking to people, that we're not doing it just because our flesh is telling us to do so that he that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame, and he that rebuketh a wicked man shall get himself a blot. When you rebuke someone, you've got to be careful that you're doing it with the right spirit, first of all, but also you need to be telling the right person. I'm not saying that you shouldn't give people the gospel. I'm not saying you shouldn't be a witness. But you better be careful who you're giving wisdom and instruction to. Because some people won't hear it. You've just cast your pearls before the swine. It says, reprove not a scorner, lest he what? Hate thee. People that have gotten so much scorn or so much pride in their lives that they can't hear wisdom. Why? Because they've got this thick, callous heart. 
That's literally preventing any type of penetration into what? Understanding. We've got to be careful that we're what? Allowing for God to do the bring the increase. Give them gospel verses. Love on them. Encourage them. Show them the Bible. Let the word of God soak that hard heart. And let God do the, do the increase. In verse 9, give instruction to a wise man, and he will yet be wiser, or be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. It's important to understand that as a Christian, that we're not being someone that is not willing to listen to instruction. Again, I talked about it earlier, but that's someone that wants to learn. If you're someone that can listen to any, maybe it's not something, it can come from the, from the worst of people. Okay, let me ask you this question. Can a foolish person do something wise? Yes, he can. Can a wise person do something foolish? Yes. So let's be careful that we're not so set in our ways that we oh, we think we know everything. we got to be careful that we're not being closed-minded and, and as long as it's lining up with the Word of God that we're listening to others. We're trying to see... Yeah, I think about this when I talked about Moses. What did Moses do when he had to bring uh, counsel to all the children of Israel? Who did he listen to? What was his father-in-law? He was a priest of Midian. Now, he wasn't a very godly person. But you look at him, he still listened to what Jethro had to say. And you know what? It helped him. We should take wisdom from wherever we get it from. We should be careful not to become so hard-hearted that whenever someone we don't respect or says something, that we don't try to apply our hearts to wisdom. It's important to understand. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the holy is understanding. For by me thy day shall be multiplied, and years of thy life shall be increased. All right. I uh, should be able to cover it for verse 9. So next next week, we're going to go over verse 10. And verse 10 kind of classifies. So up to verse 9, it was basically a introduction to Proverbs. And now verse 10, it's going to get into the meat of the matter. Chapter 10. What did I say? Sorry. verse nine, Chapter 9. So it starts out, the Proverbs of Solomon. All right? It's like starting over again. You know, I used to know this preacher that would preach... Um, he would preach the biggest introductions. Bill Barron's was like this. He would preach these huge introductions, and then he'd have real short points. One, two, three. Um, that's kind of what I feel about Proverbs. It's a huge introduction, and then he's got little short points after that. All right, let's stand together for a word.